أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين السلام عليكم brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and uh, welcome to another episode from the Tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast um, we had ended here in the previous episode where we were talking about the uh, essentially the concept of how uh, long hopes and dreams and desires that we have, these far-fetched hopes and dreams that we have, can sometimes make us forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They can make us forget about the duties that we have right now. And we delved a little bit into some of the ahadith that we have in this regard, and we have a lot of ahadith uh, you know, regarding this concept. It's a concept that comes up in the verses of the Qur'an, and it has come up in the uh, in the ahadith of the Ahlul Bayt quite a bit as well. So we talked about some of these ahadith, and we went through that hadith of the Prophet, where um, he was telling his companions that he doesn't blink unless he uh, assumes that he may not be alive by the time his eyes or his eyelids meet, for example, right? Or before his eyes open, if he wants to open his eyes. Um, Continuing from there, inshallah, from for this episode, we're going to continue from this line. Okay, so this line is essentially saying that that you know in this in the in this dua as Imam Ali was continuing, he was saying that Allah uh, speaking to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that his um, his desires have held him back. Right, and his far-fetched hopes and dreams have made him forget about the things that are important. And here in this line, he says this: "And the world with its tricks and its delusions, بغرور, غرور means when something tricks somebody. He says this dunya with its tricks and its delusions, right, and its deceiving that it's done, it has tricked me. And my ego and my nafs has also tricked me with." You know, the offenses it's made towards me, right? And the fact that it has delayed things. So it's very beautiful. Essentially, he's saying that the reason why I ended up going up, uh, going against the teachings that you had, going against the commands that you had, essentially the reason for all of this was because that uh, the dunya tricked me. Now, there is a deeper meaning here, which has to do with the idea um, that comes up in this dua quite a bit that Imam Ali will point out every now and then over and over again that um, you know the reason why he went against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not because he wanted to disobey him but rather because he was tricked into it and of course when we say Imam Ali we're speaking of ourselves of course right um, but nonetheless he says that the dunya tricked me with the tricks that it has and my ego tricked me with delaying things okay so what is he talking about what does he mean by delaying things essentially what he means is that as much as i saw myself going against you and we can all relate to this he said as much as i see myself going against allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i tell myself that i need to change my ways and i need to really bring myself closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what my ego does and what my nafs does is that it would not go against this it won't tell me not to do that. What it will tell me is that you still have time. It will just have me delay things, which is very different because now you put your defense system down, 
right? Like if someone comes to you, right? And, and if you need money from somebody, right? Um, it's one thing for them to say, hey, I'm not going to give you the money, right? I owe you this money, but I'm not going to give it to you. That's going to turn into a fight. But if you go to somebody and you ask them for the money that you, um, you know, you owe from them, essentially, that, that they owe you, and they tell you, yeah, I'll give it to you. It's just, uh, just a matter of any day now. See, that's a completely different situation now. That's not a fight anymore. That's more of a situation where you'll settle down and you say, okay, well, he's just telling me that I just have to be a little patient. Essentially, what the dua is saying is that every time I try to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and change my ways, what my ego ended up doing was that my ego convinced me that we would change tomorrow or we would change the day after tomorrow. And it kept delaying things, right? And this concept of delaying things when you want to change your ways and you want to do tawbah and you want to do things the right way, this concept of delaying things is one of the biggest tricks that shaitan has up his sleeve, right? So it's interesting that this verse of the Qur'an, this is verse 135 from Surah Al-Imran. Um, the verse is saying, The verse is saying that whenever someone does something wrong or they, they do wrong to themselves, essentially when they sin, they should remind, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they would repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for their sins. And then the verse continues, And who is there that's going to forgive the sins other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In other words, the verse is saying that whenever someone does something wrong and they ask for, for forgiveness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is then going to forgive them at that point. And it's interesting because this verse essentially is just talking about the concept of tawbah. The sha'n and nuzul of this verse, right? The story behind this verse or what happened when this verse was revealed. We hear from the sixth imam, he has this hadith. He says that when this verse was revealed, shaitan, iblis, they gathered, uh, he gathered all of his uh, people, so to speak. And these aren't people of human beings, of course. These are people mainly of the jinn. There might be human beings amongst them as well. Right, because the Quran says Shayatina al Insi wal Jinn. There are shaitans amongst the human beings and amongst uh, the jinn. It's interesting. We're we're always worried about the shaitans from the jinn. The reality is um, that uh, the shaitan from the ins is a lot a lot of times far more uh, dangerous uh, to us and a far bigger threat to us. Nonetheless, the verse is talking about the concept of tawbah essentially. The Sha'n al-Nuzul, the hadith says that shaitan gathered all of his other shayateen. Because, you know, shaitan is a general name. It's not the name that refers to the specific shaitan that we know of. That His name is Iblis, okay, um, which is mentioned in the Quran multiple times. But shaitan refers to anyone who's going to be, a, uh, you know, a, a being that is going to create corruption, okay? So he gathered, gathered all of his shayateen and he was very upset. He said, you know, I don't know what to do anymore. Essentially, this do this verse has opened up the door to all of these guys. Essentially, what this verse is saying that has now been revealed is that any of them can commit any sin. No matter how big or grave the sin is, if they repent from that sin and they decide to change their ways, essentially God is saying that he will forgive them. And I don't know what to do about this because if they just do tawbah and they go back and they start walking in the path of Allah, 
then you know we're we're not going to win our battles anymore, so to speak, right? So he started to ask for suggestions from his people. He said, "How can we go against this?" And each one of them came up with their own, you know, thought and their own opinion. Some of them said, "You know what, Iblis, we should trick the human being with with these tricks." And the other one said, "We'll trick him like this." And the other one said, "We'll trick him like this." And the hadith says that as these suggestions were mentioned, um, that Shaitan did not accept or agree with any of these suggestions. When all the suggestions were done. The hadith says that one of these shayateen, now in this hadith it says it's waswas al-khannas, um, but regardless, one of the shayateen, he then brought up this idea. He said, I know what to do. And shaitan asked him, he said, well, what do you think it is that we have to do? He said, listen, the only way that you can solve this problem, that you can take away the power of tawbah from them, is not to try to trick them or not to try to get them not to do tawbah directly. Only thing you have to do is that you have to make them forget and delay doing tawbah. So essentially what that means is that what, what, what this shaitan was telling Iblis was that you have to get them to do something haram, right? And then when they want to do tawbah, just get them to delay it. Just get them to forget about it. If you can do that, you have found the key to, <laughs> to this whole problem that they can go from being a terrible person to a person who is purified because the ahadith say that when someone does tawbah, essentially it's like they're born again. Right? The hadith says that it's like a human being who just, just uh, was just born a couple moments ago. That's what happens when someone does tawbah. So this shaitan, he told Iblis, he said, listen, this is the way to deal with it. And if you look around in the world right now, in reality, and in our own lives we can relate to this, that's the reality of how things are. If shaitan wants us to stay uh, you know, where we are and continue to do the wrong things that we're doing, he will never tell us that you're going to end up in hellfire. He will never tell us that we're going to be punished. No, the only thing he will tell you is, yeah, you can do toba, no problem. That's a great idea, you know? And, and he, he'll, he'll give you a thumbs up too, so to speak, right? But the only thing is, he just wants you to delay it. And as long as he will get you and I to delay it, then he's winning that battle. So going back to the line of Darkumil, the Imam is saying, I was tricked by the tricks of this world, right? Wanafsi and my ego also tricked me with being able to delay this concept of, of Toba from actually happening. Now, moving on, he says, Ya Sayyidi, fa'as'alunka bi'izzatika Allah yahjuba anka du'a'i su'u amali wa fa'ali. He says, now that I've been tricked so much, and now that I've been doing things the wrong way for so long, I just hope and pray that all of these wrongdoings of mine will no longer or will, will not have reached this point where they veil my supplication from you. Okay, so what is the Imam talking about? Essentially what he's saying is that I hope I have not reached the point now that you won't even listen to me. You know, sometimes when you're dealing with different people, there are people who might have done something wrong, but then they come to explain to you or they come to apologize to you. Or they have a need, right? They still have this request. And even though they've done something wrong, right? But because they're not terrible people, you will still listen to what they have to say. You will still say, okay, what is it that you need? What is, what is your request? You might not even promise to, you know, grant that request. But you'll at least listen to what they have to say. What the Imam is saying essentially is, I hope I haven't reached this point with you that even when I speak, you won't even listen to me. That when I do my dua, my dua will not even 
get to you. Of course, this is metaphorical speech, right? And of course, the dua is going to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in the sense that you won't even look at it anymore, right? You might think, and we might think, that that never happens. And that's kind of true for human beings in this world, right? Um, it's very rare for something like that to happen. But it's interesting because when people, terrible people in this world, when they make their way into the next world, right? And they speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they want to ask for mercy. At that point, the verses of the Quran tell us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we say, doesn't even want to hear it anymore. Right? Like they will pray, but their prayer has no value anymore. It's not even heard anymore, which is a very scary, uh, you know, notion if you think about it. But you do find this in the verses of the Quran. So, for example, um, Speaking of the people of Fir'aun and essentially from that moving on to, you know, people who are in hellfire. The verses of the Qur'an say that when they bring the people of Fir'aun, his group, into the hellfire, what happens is that um, they, are sh they are punished very heavily. And then the verses continue and it says this, Then what happens is that these guys start to have debates amongst themselves, right? The leaders will turn, will turn to the followers and the followers will turn to the leaders. And each one of them will blame the other one, right? They'll start pointing the finger at each other. That if I'm here in Hellfire, it's because of you. And if, you know, these are from Surah Al-A'raf, by the way. And if I'm, you know, if I'm here, it's because of you. And, and the other ones will say, no, if we're here, it's not because of us. It's because you you essentially uh, made the wrong decisions in your life. Don't blame your misguidance on us. So this, this is a back and forth that happens. And the Quran has talked about this on multiple occasions. Until it reaches these verses. The people who are in hellfire, this is the part where I was going to, you know, I really wanted to emphasize on. The people who are in hellfire, they then turn to the guides of the hellfire or to the guardians of the hellfire, the angels that are there that are guarding hellfire. They turn to them, they say, Udu'u Rabbakum. Say, go call your Lord, right? Go and tell your Lord, right? Your your boss, whoever's in charge of you essentially, tell him to remove the punishments of the hellfire from us for one day. Now, what are days look like, you know, in the hereafter and in hellfire? I, I really don't know. But the verses of the Quran say, Yalma min al -adab. Maybe it's referring to like, you know, a period of time, for example. Okay. Now, these angels come back to them. They don't even go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or anything like that. They come back to them. They say, Qalu. They ask him a question. They say, you guys are asking us to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for like pretty much for this punishment to be removed for a little bit. Okay, um, did you guys not get the message when the prophets came? Did they not tell you that all of this was going to happen? Okay, they respond. They say, They say, you know what? We did get that message. And we do remember that they used to tell us that we would, that if we... You know, if we oppressed others, if we took the rights of others and we did this and that, that there would be a hellfire. So they, they respond in the affirmative. Now take a look at what the angels tell them at this point. 
And of course, they're not saying this on their own behalf. They're saying this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told them to say this. They say, oh, okay, so you got this message and you knew exactly what was going to happen. You knew killing people that on the Day of Judgment, you're going to end up here in hellfire. And you still did it. Okay, no problem. Then just pray to Him. Pray to God. But the dua of someone at that time, it's lost. Meaning what? Meaning that this dua does not even get to where it needs to get to because it holds no value whatsoever, which is a very scary you know, concept really. And in other verses of the Quran, we read that the people who are in hellfire, Again, when they want to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in some verses it says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اِخْسَأُوا فِيهَا وَلَا تُكَلِّمُونَ It says, don't even speak to me. That means that this person doesn't hold any value anymore. Essentially, this line of the dua is saying that. It's saying, I hope I have not reached that point, right? That if I speak to you because of all the horrible things that I have done, that my dua is fundamentally veiled and that it doesn't even get to where it needs to get to. Moving on. And I pray that you will not disgrace me, you will not embarrass me in the presence of others because of the things that I have done when no one else was watching. And essentially in our hadith, we have this concept mentioned that one of the signs of faith is the one who will fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when others aren't watching. And you also find this in the verses of the Qur'an, right? That there are certain times where we test individuals to see what they will do when others are not watching. No one other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is around, essentially. He's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to disgrace him, not to embarrass him. Moving on. وَلَا تُعَاجِلْنِي بِالْعُقُوبَةِ عَلَى مَا عَمِلْتُهُ فِي خَلَوَاتِ Third ask that he has says, I hope that I have not reached the point that you will rush to punish me because of the things that I have done in private. The things that I've done that nobody else knows about, only you know about. I hope this doesn't push you to punish me quickly, right? Now, uh, in the verses of the Quran, again, we have this concept that with the human being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely patient. Meaning that when the human being does something that is fundamentally worthy of punishment, um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not punish him immediately. That he's going to give him time. That he's going to give him an opportunity to come back. In some of the hadith we have, that seven hours, for example, is mentioned. That seven hours after someone has committed a sin, that the angels will not write down this sin. Now, what is what exactly does that mean? We really don't know. What is the exact meaning of that? Does that mean that they really don't write it down? Or maybe some of the effects of the sin haven't been written down? But nonetheless, there's a difference between someone who does tawbah quickly and the one who doesn't do tawbah quickly, right? So now in this line, he's saying, I hope that I don't do things that will push you to punish me quickly. In the verses of the Quran, this is Surah Fatir, verse 45, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He says, listen, the human being the things that we do, right, as human beings, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to respond to them the way that those actions were worthy of response, meaning that if God wanted to really show us the consequences of our actions immediately in this world, verse 45 says this, 
that if I were to do that, there would be no living being on earth. Okay, وَلَوْ يُؤَخِذُ اللَّهُ النَّاسَ بِمَا كَسَبُوا مَا تَرَكَ عَلَى ظَهْرَهَا مِنْ If I wanted to hold people accountable for the things that they have kasabu, the things that they have done, مَا تَرَكَ عَلَى ظَهْرَهَا مِنْ There would not be one living being on the face of the earth. Meaning that if I really wanted to punish the human being, right, and I wanted to send punishments down on him on earth for everything that he does, there would be so many punishments that at one point, the whole earth will be destroyed, right? And that everyone would die. But this is not what he has decreed. He has decreed to delay this punishment, right? And give them time until a certain time comes, right? Until a certain moment comes. When that time comes, right? And their time is up. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will deal with them. So essentially what the what the verse is saying is that if He actually wanted to hold uh, the human being accountable to everything that the human being does and wanted to punish him immediately when he committed something wrong, the earth would not be able to stand the punishments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that we don't even understand by the way. Like this is something that we have a lack of understanding of. When we do something that's haram, right, our understanding is that nothing really changed in the world, right? It's not a big deal, right? I just did this, for example, right? I just skipped a prayer. I just, you know, broke my fast on purpose without proper reasoning, right? We act as if nothing really happened in the world, but the Quran is there to tell us, no, when you do commit something that is haram, when you do commit a sin, things actually change in the world. Things around you change. From the, from the angels that are writing down these sins, things change from them, right? Until the way the, the, you know, the different creatures and the beings in the world are going to now uh, react to you and they're going to interact with you. That's going to be different now. Allama Tabatabai talks about this. He says someone who obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is uh, regarding that verse of وَلِلَّهِ جُنُودُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ You know, the armies of the heavens and the earth have to are in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're owned by Him. Right? When He's talking about that, He says this. He says, listen, a person who does things properly and he's obeying God, this person, every single creature out there on the face of the earth is working for Him. Whether He knows it or He doesn't know it, everything is working for Him. And then he continues to say that the moment this person commits a sin, the moment this person starts to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then things start to work against him. So when we do something wrong, right, everything starts to work against us, right? Even if it doesn't seem like it, but they're actually working against us at this point. Now, the people who, uh, you know, the previous prophets, their people always used to use this logic. This was their logic. That if I commit a sin or I do something haram and there is no immediate punishment that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would take the wrong conclusion. They would say, oh, so this means that either he's not out there or he just doesn't really care. Because look, I just disobeyed him. There's no punishment that he sent upon me. They've used this logic in multiple uh, discussions that they have that the Quran has narrated from previous prophets, right? Like for example, the people of Nuh, they used to come to him. They used to say, قَالُوا يَا نُوحٌ you, you keep arguing with us, right? And you've done it so much. Instead of arguing with us, why don't you just show us the punishment that you keep promising us? فَأْتَنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا 
why don't you go ahead and show us this punishment? And when we see this punishment, then we'll believe you. Now, in other verses, it says that, listen, the reason why that punishment won't come is because if that punishment comes, you will be dead. And if you'll be dead, you won't have a chance to make up and make amends for the mistakes that you've had, right? But essentially, this was their mindset. And in multiple verses of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us that this is not the right mindset. Okay, now, we can take this and relate this to our day-to-day issues as well. Even today, if you tell someone, brother, sister, this is haram, don't do this. A lot of times, in the back of our mind, what we will be thinking is, hmm, I don't think it's really a big deal because I've done it before. Nothing has happened in my life. We are so punishment-based, right? Our, our, our mindset, our ideology is so punishment-based that the only way we figure out if something is good or bad from the perspective of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is we wait to see if something horrible happens in our life. And that is very, very wrong, right? No, you might do something wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might find you worthy of punishment. Maybe he's delaying the punishment right now. Maybe he's giving you a chance to be able to repent, right? And, and, and to get back on the right path. But just because he doesn't send that punishment to you immediately does not mean that he is completely okay with everything uh, that is happening. There's more to be said about this. Uh, inshallah, we'll continue with this concept a little bit in the next episode. And we'll continue with the tafsir uh, of Dua Kumail, inshallah.